All right. Oh, somebody says, let's say this together, our Father. The name of your Son, Jesus. We receive revelation that is found in Christ. There is no confusion. There is no contradictions in this atmosphere. We behold you as we see ourselves in Him. Your name alone is glorified. And we are edified. Amen. All right. Um, dealing with ungodly habits. Um, that's something we want to study. And we'll take um, a while to address certain things. I, I believe um, the reason a lot of us do uh, this, I'm teaching you as I teach myself also. Um, I believe that the reason a lot of us do some wrong things is because we probably don't know. And um, we're going to have some things, but before we get there, I always like to make you see certain things in the scriptures um, because every preacher must know how to explain the Bible in such a way that um, the believer must be able to approach all subjects from the scriptures. And every subject matter about the faith must be explained and diligently taught from the scriptures. So it, 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 when people, I grew up in a place where if people want to address issues like this, it's always very scary, such that you are, you are not, you are very, there's a way you would just sit down and you would just be wondering, what are they saying, right? What, what are they saying? What, they want to attack you, like they want to attack you and all of those things. But that's not what we want to do today. We want to address um, basics in the scriptures that will really help us. And this means that there is no time that the believer is at liberty to rest his explanation and understanding uh, of his faith on hearsay. So you can't rest your knowledge of scriptures on he say, she say, what somebody says. Everything must be properly explained from the scriptures. And this happens by that the authors of scriptures sought to communicate things that will not be lost. I always tell people, I say, um, if you write a letter today and you are being misquoted, um, you are not going to like it. I, I, I remember I was preaching somewhere some few days ago, and I told them in that place, I said, imagine I wrote a letter to you, and I said, and let's say it's a full sheet, um, just like a note that she's using now, and I just say, that's long, and, and somebody just writes, and in that letter, in part of the middle of that letter is written, I will kill you today. And you just pick that letter and just say, um, he said, I will kill you today. And you just felt like, I'll go and report to the police because he said, I will kill you today. And in the middle of the letter, the person said, I watched a movie. And the, the, the person or the actor was saying, I will kill you today. But you did not see that part. You just picked, I will kill you today. You know, that's, that's already a problem. But that's the way many of us read the scriptures. We just, you know, I was just saying something before we, we started teaching now. And I said that, I've been studying my Bible now since, and I was looking at true certain things, and I was, I was a bit, I was a bit, um, I was just reading. You know, you must learn to read, and that's one of the things I'm going to address now. You must learn to read, and I figured that, I, I figured I was struggling somehow with something, and that was the chapters and verses thing. And I said, I told myself, uh, in fact, I made up my mind. And I said, a friend of mine recommended something for me. 
a, a kind of Bible for me that takes off the chapters and verses that makes you see the Bible in paragraph. Next week Tuesday, I'm going to recommend it for you. I'm, I'm definitely going to look for it and buy it, and I will recommend it to you so you can buy it. So that way you can you can pick up, you can just pick up your Bible and just read it like a novel. Because I've always told you the Bible is a piece of literature. This book in your hands is like it's edited. It went through editorial process. The um, people arranged it. They chefed off certain things, put off away certain things, package it together to make it a complete Bible like this. Does that make sense? So he went through a whole lot of process. But a lot of us try to address the Bible in a sanctimonious approach that, hey, it's too holy. Hey, ah, don't touch or remove anything. No, 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 it's a book. <laughs> it's a book. Somebody say, so I remember when we were younger, somebody say, um, somebody said that if you put the Bible inside fire, it will never burn. I say it's a lie. <laughs> I say it's a big lie. I say it depends on the fire. I say it's a big lie. Somebody told me one time, somebody asked me a question some months ago. I said, um, I'm tired of my Bible. I bought a new Bible. Can I trash my old Bible? In my religious mind, I said, eh? Trash your Bible? I just remember that. It's actually, but you bought a new one now. But in my, so in my heart, I said, Still keep it now, but I did not tell the person to trash it too. But I was already thinking about it in two weeks and days. That actually, you bought a new Bible. You are tired of your own world. Trash it. <laughs> but in my very religious mind, I have never trusted the Bible before and I will never. Oh my. <laughs> I can show you the Bible that there's a Bible I've used. Some of you met me that time. That Bible has torn to pieces. I have gummed, I have saluted. In fact, this one, I've even bought gum. Look at my Bible now. I've bought. <laughs> In fact, I've bought gum that I will gum this one. I know that this one marks two years' time. I will dump this one, but I won't trash it. Ah! I can't. All the Bible I've used, everything is somewhere in my house. But that one, that day, so ever since she said it, I started looking at all the Bibles that I've used that I'm not using differently. Like, and I can actually trash this. So. Uh, but, ah, mm -mm. ah. <laughs> I don't know if you get what I'm saying. <laughs> we are very religious when it comes to the Bible. And that now affects the way we study. So when somebody tells you the Greek word is easy, this thing is not a Greek word, though. They will tell you basically, there's no Greek word there. I'm seeing, I'm seeing thou, thou, thou. But you are not using thou in your English language again. Can you write an example? I'll put thou. I say thou heart. That's you failed the exam. <laughs> imagine, the, imagine English, English 101. What's that English they do in undergrad again? It's been a while. Um, what's that English? The first English you take on English 101 now. English and writing, something like that. And they give you an exam and they, and they say, write an essay. You say, verily, verily, professor. <laughs> <laughs> that's to tell you that. That's why there's an old King James. There's a new King James. Because they are evolving. Languages are evolving. And I, I, it, that's something you must learn in scriptures. This English language is about 800 years. It's the most new. That you are speaking, it doesn't mean it's old. It's about 800 years. It's very new. So the writings of scriptures was not written 
in this language. No. If somebody asks me, so there was, there was a deeper study I did um, about, I think it was this December or this November. And I said, and I figured that, oh wow, Hebrew language and even Greek is quite new. And I can, I, I, I can bet you that Adam, if we were to look through Adam, Adam never spoke Hebrew. Because that wasn't a language in his days. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. It progressed into the Egyptian language. Then that's where the Hebrew now came forth. But before then, there wasn't even Hebrew. So we have to go back. Somebody's going to say, oh, really? So yes, it's basically as you keep studying, you will keep understanding these things. And I always tell you, history with scriptures does not, they are not enemies. They also help. So that's why, um, we're we, we looking at, we're we are studying, dealing with ungodly habits, and we're going to look at that into a couple of Tuesdays from now. Uh, but today I want to just lay a foundation. And uh, I like to, before I, before I get into my subject, all of you know, I like to always do foundation very well. <laughs> so the pastor, just go straight. It's not you that will tell me what to do. <laughs> so a fundamental factor of studying the Bible is that a text of scripture cannot mean today what it never meant when it was written. That's one thing you must know. In studying the scripture, a text of scripture cannot mean today what it never meant as at the time it was written. So I'll give you an instance. Just like what I said about writing a letter now. If I was writing a love letter to my brother here, ah, no, 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 how can I write a love letter to a boy? I rebook it. <laughs> <laughs> I rebook it. Never in Jesus' name. <laughs> Not in these perilous times that we are dealing with so many things. Never. Never. So just imagine I was writing a love letter to my babe. <laughs> Let's use that one. <laughs> and the context of that letter meant something around I love you, all of those things. Imagine in the next 20 years, we pick up that letter again to read. It's not going to change. The context of what I said will never change. I don't know if I'm making sense. It will not change. It's just like, uh, and that's why everybody must be accustomed. And that's why, me, I thank God I'm a literature student too. I thank God I'm not all this, I did not do all this physics chemistry. Sometimes when I study the scripture, he helps me. And I'm like, hey, Father, I thank you. How would I have grappled? <laughs> I wonder how you guys might be struggling. All these people that study chemistry, physics, all of that. I wonder how you are struggling in reading and not seeing some. It's just like some of you now cannot see sarcasm in scripture because you don't know it. Some of you cannot see figures of speech, oxymoron, you can't see a metaphor, you can't see all, the, all you are just reading is, you are just taking it literally. They say, let the sack, burn all the sackcloth and ashes. You, you carry all your sackcloth. <laughs> when you read the Old Testament, you say, oh no, the sackcloth and ashes. You don't understand. Those things are sarcasms. It's just like clapping in scripture. I've always told us that clapping in scriptures is a sarcasm. He says, oh, you clap your hands. It's like a mockery towards them. It's sarcasm. Because this Bible is written in literary terms, English language, it cannot, it's going to go through the terms of English language. I think it's what I'm saying. So we have to now study properly. 
And that's, these chapters are verse 16 there. It has done so much harm than evil. Well, but they wanted to just arrange it for us so that for reference purpose. If not, we too would have a problem. But ah, so in my mind, I still think that they made a mistake. You know, it's human beings that did this. I, I had a conversation with a Muslim this December, and somebody and the guy was telling me, and he said, as he said, ah, why are you, ah, are you sure your book is perfect? I said, but we are. We, I never. We never said. Nobody ever told you that our Bible is perfect. We are. Uh, whoever told you did not know it. The Bible is not perfect. Don't help anybody to argue it. Those that say their own is their own book is perfect. How can it be perfect when a man undoes it? The fact that it is in the hands of a man means it's not perfect. That alone shows you the imperfection of the book. Even if they tell you that a spirit detected their writing, ah, the fact that a man shall wrote it is imperfect already. Anything that touches the hands of man is not perfect. So don't let anybody bamboozle you into saying, hey, our own book is perfect, our own book is not. It's not perfect. There are errors there. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is now in the process of studying we will be able to get the true and the actual fact of the God of God. Don't let anybody bamboozle you into saying, your Bible is not perfect. We check in this verse. This verse says um, 2 o'clock. The other verse says 5 o'clock. Uh-huh. So... Is that the word of, is that what is taking me to heaven? That's what the guy started telling me. I said, I said, as he was saying the scripture, I said, chapter this verse, this. I called it for him. I said, it was not perfect. I said, two different accounts wrote it. I said, okay, tell me now. And I said, let's do an, let's do an analysis. There's something I will teach you people in the future, chronicles. And I will do is, is part of study and how to write. So that we expand our writing. I said, okay. Let's do an event of service as it's 7 o'clock now. I said, let's do a recap of what has happened. This is 7 now. This is almost 8. And let's see. I said, I will write. So I said, write. Put, yeah, take paper and paper. Write. I said, me too, I will write. So you will see if the accounts will tally. And we now compared notes. And I said, do you see that you missed a detail? I said, exactly it. I said, they were both disciples, so, but they are not going to get it perfectly. They were not, it was not immediately that Jesus was teaching them, they were jotting it. They never envisaged that they were right. And who, who even wrote? Matthew is the only disciple that wrote. Mark was not Jesus' disciple. And John. Mark and John were the only disciples of Jesus that wrote in scripture. And Peter later on. And Peter wrote a piece to Peter did not write eyewitness accounts. So I said, Matthew wrote. And why did Matthew wrote? Because you have to look at the context of what Matthew wrote about. Who was he also writing to? I said, Mark that wrote. Mark was everybody's disciple. Mark was Paul's disciple. Paul, Paul said, Paul talked about Mark and said, he is profitable to me. Peter also used Mark. John, um, Barnabas used Mark. So everybody used Mark. So Mark wrote. I said, Luke was Paul's disciple. And Luke was writing to one person, Theophilus. I said, you don't expect, and look at what he wrote as a defense to one man. I said, you don't expect that that person is writing to you. And the person said, and I said, person said what of John? I said, does John look like he's synoptic to you? We argued something. I took a New Testament class some years ago. And we literally argued in that class. And we now reached a consensus that John doesn't look like he's synoptic gospel. And because we, we, we looked at all the facts. Then I told them, I said, because of the knowledge I had before the class, I told them, I said, John learned from Paul because 
he was the last writer to have written. So he has taken a lot of in Christ realities in his writing. So that's why he was saying in the beginning. He did not tell you Mary, mother of Jesus. He just went straight because he knows the word. The guy just gave us. And all his miracles are miracles that no writer found in scripture. So that's why we even have to examine the guy carefully. Because what's the authenticity of his writing? Because out of two or more witnesses, the truth must be established. Why do you tell us what Jesus told water to wear? Where is did we see it? We have to check it. Are you seeing it? Eh? So I told the guy, we are right now. He said, hey. And I said, and I say, oh, now I understand. Rubbish. You guys are insincere, Joe. Your Quran that you say is sorry for saying the Quran. No, I'll say it. The Quran that you will say, <laughs> the Quran that you will say once somebody dictated for you. I remember our conversation with those stupidities. Sorry, they are not stupid, but sorry, they are stupid. <laughs> The Quran said it's dictated. Ah, a man wrote it now. Even if the angel was saying it, man put it down. So you want to tell me that our dictation, as big as it is, he did not clean. He did not make mistake. He did not say, please say it again. You are whining me, Joe. <laughs> That's a lie. How do you get to what I'm saying? Don't let that baboozy you and tell you the fake story. Our own notebook is, as far as you see, a man. It's not perfect. That is one thing you should understand. And don't let anybody intimidate you. I have a lot of conversations with those people. Many a times when we finish talking, they say, you seem like you know what. You say, I, I told them, I, I tell them, I say, I'm not a JJC in belief. That's why they called me into one panel too. So I used to tell you the story two years ago. Yeah, it's not two years. That was 2021. About almost 2022. About almost... Um, 14 to 15 Muslims gathered me into a panel. Ah, I thought it was a setup. That's why they just locked me in there. The guy that invited me ran away. I, you know, this guy that don't know. I've been telling the guy, learn the word, learn the word, listen. He did not know. He, he now went to hook. Then I started abusing that. You call yourself a Christian. And I said, wait, wait, wait. I will call somebody that knows. <laughs> so me too. I was less busy that day, you know. That guy is not good to be less busy. I was just less busy that day. He just called me and said, ah, I need you to get into this thing. I said, ah, what is it about? You know? So it's the Bible. I said, ah, let's go. As, he just, as I just entered, he just, <laughs> that's how the guy just go. He went. So only me, I just faced him. They just said, they just said, we were there for about four hours. By the time I was done, they said, ah, they, you know when they now notice that you know what you are saying? Because some people are very mysterious. They say, hey, let's just close. Let's go. I said, no, I'm not. I left all I'm doing for this. We can't close. We can't close just like that. This just insincere. That's why you must learn. Now you get to what I'm saying. Pay attention to the word. Back to what we are saying. A truth of scripture, whatever, when a text of scripture is not properly interpreted, the truth of the author will be lost. With the truth that the author is trying to communicate will be lost. I'll give you an example. It's just like Genesis. If you don't know the audience of Genesis, you will miss it. You will actually miss the context of Genesis. I'll just give you a little, when I call it, say a little, a little context of Genesis. If you don't know that, if you don't know the audience, who was the audience? The audience are those in the wilderness. Those are those that, those are the guys that Moses was preaching to. That was why 
He started from the beginning. That's why I said in the beginning. A lot of creation story doesn't necessarily mean a creation story of doubt. There was one day God created the earth and all of those. If you want to know that one, that's history. But what Moses was trying to communicate was light and darkness. And a contest of them believing the gospel. Then he put it into Adam and Eve's story, put it into Abraham's story, then walked them through how they got to Egypt. That was why the story in Genesis ended with Joseph. That was why how they stayed in Egypt and how they now became slaves in, in Exodus. So that was the context. So if you don't understand that context, you will miss the what Moses was trying to all the so because now I'm in studies now I'm seeing that some part of Genesis is not really written by Moses some part is written by Moses we'll get there in, in years to come I'm I'm looking into that thing and I'm like ah I'm even surprised for the first time in my life because especially the first three books it seemed to be a general history that has been in existence even before Moses so Moses picked that story and put it down or the writer of Genesis. It seemed to be a lot of people to write it, but we'll look at that. That's not my contest this year. We'll look at that when we're doing Bible Eminotics. But now, look at that. That means that there has to be a context. Now, what is the Exodus context also? The Exodus context is exile. They were stuck somewhere. They let my people go, Pharaoh let my people go. Then there was a wilderness, there was a disobedience, there was a murmuring context. And that context was, so if you don't understand that context, you will miss it. Then they now entered into the Leviticus of sacrificing animals, all of those things. A lot of people miss, when they get to Leviticus, they just, they just, they just switch off. When they start seeing the sacrifices, if you don't understand the sacrifices, you won't understand the, how, why Christ had to pay his blood, why Christ had to die. It is Leviticus that will show you that. Then you will now get into Numbers. Numbers is another exodus. They had to rebel again. That's where they go to the promised land, all of those things. They, they are trying to get into the promised land. They are about to get there. They are, that's where they send spies to check everything. They still rebelled again. The taonomy is now another law. And you get to one another, like a redemption. Then, the town of Moses died. Joshua now takes over. Are you now see, are you seeing how the, the, the Bible was written? Then, when you now come into um, Daniel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, all of those things, it is history repeating itself again. So, you will now be seeing Babylon. What's Babylon? Babylon will give you an example of Egypt. Where they were in slavery. Where they were in trouble. Babylon contents means that they are back again. So it's like saying history is repeating itself. So that means these guys have stayed themselves, they stayed disobedience, they've stayed in so much disobedience and that their disobedience has led them into Babylon. So now they are now stuck into another exile. Have you seen it? So now that will now lead you into the New Testament narrative. If you don't understand, don't forget, what is the Bible of the New Testament writers? Genesis. Genesis to Malachi. You must have that mindset in your head. That when Matthew was reading the Bible, there was one book in his hand, and that is Genesis to Malachi. When Jesus says, search ye the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. For they are they which testify of me, John 5. What was the scripture in his hands? Genesis to Malachi. Are you getting what I'm saying? What, was, what scripture did Paul use? 
Genesis to Malachi. Because let me tell you, I, only, I, I told you something recently. A five letter to Ephesus cannot be the whole word of God. That means there is something he has taught them. He is not writing a letter to them. For me to be able to write a letter to you, let's say in our today's world now, if I'm going to write a letter to this, my brother now here, there has to be a conversation that would have happened. Then I'm now writing and saying, ah, I miss you. Oh, we'll see again. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the context. So all the letters to the churches, what was the background? The idea, the background of the Old Testament books. So the Old Testament books is very paramount to our study. But you know what? A lot of believers don't like it. They just feel like it's so difficult. I agree. I, I honestly agree. To be honest with you, the more I studied the Bible in the last two years, I found out that the Old Testament is much complex to understand. And it's, it takes a lot to understand. That's why it seemed like Paul had to pray for them in Ephesus and say that your eyes of understanding will be enlightened. That you will know the hope of his calling. And where will they know it? Don't forget it's the Old Testament books. And I'll see why they will, Paul will keep praying that prayer of knowledge for them. Because it seems as though when you read the Old Testament, you can easily be lost into the stories. And you will not be able to find out the, the efficacy of God's word in that place. So that means, if you don't understand that 39 books, you are going to be lost in transit. Let me use that way. In the New Testament. And the best way to do it is in reading. Tell your neighbor, say reading. And reading in context. So you have to read in context. That was why in Matthew 1, what did Matthew first do? Matthew array you into the genealogy. What was the genealogy for? Is to tell you, go back, oh, bro. <laughs> they call it the codified language. It's like saying, I want to write something in full, but I'll write it in codes because you already have a document in your hands. It's like saying, I want to tell you about money heist. And I'm telling you in codes. I'm telling you, almost everybody has watched money heist, right? I just watched it this December. It was you that recommended it for me. And I picked it up and I could not sleep. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> for days. I was just, in fact, I traveled, I got to another country. The first thing I did as I got there, please give me food. I put the remote, and that was the first thing I had to watch. <laughs> you know. Now, look at that. What did Genesis, what did Matthew do? They now started with the begat, begat, begat again. Trace the genealogy to Jesus. That shows to you that if you look at, I, I agree with the way they arrange the scriptures. The way, um, all this, um, the canon of, the, the guys that put on the canon of scriptures arrange the body of the 66 book. I, I, I a bit agree with them a bit. Because imagine they put Romans as, as the first book in the New Testament. You know that we would have problem in understanding. Imagine the, the number one, as you enter the New Testament like this, the first book is I, Paul. <laughs> How would you cope? You will not be struggling. Then, instead of Revelations to be the last book, it is Matthew. Do you see that? There will be a problem. Or look at, imagine it was Malachi that is number one in the Old Testament. And Genesis is the last one. It's the number 39. I hope you know we will struggle. See, you see that these guys really arranged it for us. They, they did a good job. I think 
For that one, I can give them and say, but the, the, the ones that now did the shatters of artists later, ah, <laughs> those ones will talk later. <laughs> but these ones, I kind of agree with them. So that means that in reading the scriptures, there has to be a carefulness that a believer has to have. It is not something you will rush. No, you can't rush it. A fundamental practice of studying the Bible is reading. So, they must, and you must properly understand it because reading is an important part of proper interpretation. Without reading, that's why I said, I'm, I'm honestly, I think, I want to record, I'm going to ask my friend again. He, he recommended that thing to me about two years ago now that there's this Bible that doesn't have shutters of it, it just have paragraphs. I think I like that one. That way you just be able to read straight like a, like a novel. You know that one, you'll be able to understand it clearly. I think the barriers that makes us not understand the Bible is that shutters of verses where you just say, I've stopped in verse 10. But imagine it's a, you, you will put a peg somewhere. You know how you take, how many of you read novels? I do read novels. You put the peg somewhere, you put your, you even underline and say you stopped here. Are you get what I mean? You now picked it up because you have to understand that context. That is a, if all believers can pick the Bible in that way, oh boy, there won't be, there won't be different denominations. <laughs> because we have a singular interpretation. We will have a singular understanding. There won't be somebody saying, my own belief is this. There won't be somebody saying that. Because all these issues are the issues that has divided the body of Christ. That somebody will now wake up and say, Me, oh, my own, the, my whole rema is this verse. Imagine that verse is, you know, it's like saying, taking a context. If you want to hinge yourself on a verse, you have to read the entire chapter. Because that way, you will know that, okay, I'm in right, I'm aligning myself rightly. I don't, if I'm making sense, let me see your hands. Okay, thank you. So, a fundamental practice is studying the scripture and reading it. So, Bible reading should not be an afterthought, but it should be a foundation of which God's word must be properly understood. Now, let me take you somewhere. Let's go to Acts 8. Let's go to Acts 8. I mean, first I enjoyed this. Say amen. We are still going to, what we are going to is dealing with what ungodly habits. Amen. That's what we want to study. But <laughs> foundation, I like to, I'm a good builder. Some people are frowning their face and say, ah, must pastor build? I have to lay my foundation, draw my concrete, mix my sand and cement, make sure that when I'm building, we are walking, you know, it's like we are going on a skyscraper so that it will not fall down on our head. Amen. Amen. It's important in studying God's word. That's why when Jesus was even teaching in Luke 24, he said, from beginning from Moses. You know, he did not just say, I just explained Daniel. Mm -mm. He said, beginning from Moses, that means from Genesis. And all the prophets, he began to expound. That word expand is the Greek word damenu, that he began to break it down. That's why he spent 40 days teaching them now. You think it's a joke? <laughs> why is he 40 days teaching them after resurrection? <laughs> after he finished, he said, somebody, one of the disciples said, didn't our heart not born within us as he taught us the scripture? That's how I want you to be this year. That's how I'm teaching like this fire. 
So is it pastor? May battle. Alright. At 8, 27. And he arose and went and behold a man of Ethiopia. So you see that this Ethiopia country is eh? They've been in existence. I'm still very perplexed about that, the fact that they are in 2015. They are, they are, they are, oh, they are ending in 2016 now. They just started up in year two. They have entered 2016 since when? They entered 2016 in September last year. They entered their own new year in September. They will enter. They are in 2016. <laughs> That's how many years from now? That's about eight, nine years. They are seven years behind. What calendar did they use? I think that's... What calendar did they use? Is that a Jewish calendar? Or... I, I have to check. That's wow. That's wow. So you see that the, the dates of scripture cannot be your own date. Some people that used to say, um, on the seventh... Some that, you know, those people that used to... Attach month and say, um, number one means what they say. Number one, I have forgotten that thing. Number one is beginning, number two is number two is a um, Coptic calendar. Okay, number one is beginning, number two is something, number three is grace. No, no, number five is grace, number seven is perfection, number eight is new beginning, number, number three is Trinity, number four, I don't know. Ah, number 10, I don't know, double grace, I remember. Ah, I, I preached that before. Number number 11 is, eh? Star okay, is that not your calling? <laughs> number 11 is uh, what? 11th hour miracle. Ah, that's true. Number two, 9 is what? Um, I don't know. But 12 is... Um, Twelve is, twelve is perfection. No, twelve is order or something. I don't know. And they, they got it from Bible. <laughs> I'm telling you, what people have used this Bible to do. I told somebody one day. I said, if you want to kill somebody, there's scripture to justify it. There's nothing you want to use script Bible for that you won't find scripture. But it has to be explained properly. Are you seeing it? It has to be. There is nothing you want to, there is no evil you want to do in this life. You won't find the scripture to justify it. There's nothing. So a lot of people have now used it to their own wickedness and their own mischievousness. I'm playing too much. Let's study. <laughs> I don't choose this service like you wish to jazz me somehow. I think I need to waste my Sunday service feeling. So Tuesday service, I am, I'm playing too much. All right, look at verse 27. And he arose and went, and a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch, a eunuch of great authority. So Ethiopia has been in existence since Bible days. Uh, so when Jesus was saying, and in fact, historically, I can tell you, when Jesus said to the uttermost part of the earth, he was actually talking about Africa. Historically. That's a fact that I just wanted to put out there. And he says, who had the charge of all treasure? And he came to Jerusalem and to worship. I was returning and sitting in the chariot and read Isaiah the prophet. And the spirit said unto Philip, go near, join yourself to that chariot. And Philip ran it and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, look at that vital question is, 
very key. And that's something I, I, I wish to ask you today. And he said, understand what thou readest. That's very instructive. And look at what the guy said. Look at what the eunuch said. He said, how can I, except some man should guide me? That means you honestly lead a guide. It's a lie for somebody to tell you that you know God on your own. It's a lie. Don't, don't, don't be deceived though. That's, a, that's the wrongest statement in the body of Christ. That find out God yourself. You need to be taught. Every man needs a teacher. On God's word, you do need a teacher. That, that's where that practice now came from. And I say, you don't need to go to church. You can just sit down and just study the Bible yourself. You can't understand it yourself. Even Jesus was taught the scriptures. The Bible says he was found among the doctors of the law asking questions. He was in the synagogue. They taught in the scriptures. He didn't just wake up and say, because I'm Jesus, I know the word. No. That's why it took him 30 years now to find out his calling. Are you getting what I'm saying? So I say, why didn't he just wake up at 10 and just go and die for sin? <laughs> he has to discover it. It is in process of learning. He will know that, oh, this is what the scriptures read was said about me. So this is who I am. Because he was born as a man. As, as a man, he will have limited knowledge. So it's as he keeps learning the word, oh, okay. Ah. Eh, so this is me. Just like what we're doing about in our, this, this series we are... We are embarking on for the next couple of years on identity issues. When we start looking at it, we'll say, oh, this is who I am. I didn't get to what I'm saying. That is exactly what happened to Jesus too. So a man needs to understand. And in understanding, you have to be taught. So the first thing to note about the Ethiopian eunuch was that, number one, he even read the scripture. But he also had to be taught. So in reading the scripture doesn't take away the place of you learning or you being taught from. How you get to it? It's always it's just an added advantage. You have to read this Bible yourself. But in reading the Bible yourself, you will still be taught. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense to somebody. Okay. So in understanding the scripture, understanding the scripture begins from reading. You have to understand it. Sorry. You have to understand it. So if reading has not taken place, then it is safe to conclude that you need to have a proper understanding or a proper understanding is far from you as a believer if reading has not taken if reading has not taken place look at in first timothy 4 verse 13 first timothy 4 13 because you have to read the scriptures first timothy 4 13 look at what paul told timothy and this is a letter to a pastor a more personal letter is this till i come give attendance to reading to exhortation, to doctrine. It says, give attendance to reading. you got to read. There was something Paul also instructed the Ephesians, the church of Ephesus. Well, he didn't... Let me give you a background context of Ephesus now. This was a general letter. That's why it seemed like... I remember when I, when I first studied this, Ephes, um, this um, um, Ephesians many years ago, I used to think that... Ah, this is one church that is the sweetest church in, in sweetest church in the body of Christ, that this one's not a problem. You know, there doesn't seem to be one problem or one issue that Paul was confronting. The closest you will find in Ephesus is letting that still still no more. And he says, if you are, don't give place to the devil, all that. It was just like a sweet guy. It's like normal, 
believers. So I used to think that the church was so grown till I found out that it was a general letter that Paul wrote and Ephesus adopted it as their own. <laughs> so he wasn't even writing to Ephesus. <laughs> you don't get it. It's like say Paul just wrote any general letter. Then in the process of adoption, Ephesus just took it as their own. <laughs> so he wasn't facing anybody. Because I was just like, ah, Galatians church, ah, that one. Paul, Paul even said, my little children, who might travel again in bed, till Christ be formed in you. Ah, Colossians, he was dealing, Epaphras was in Colossians. Archippus was in Colossians. But the Archippus, take it to you. It seemed like he was dealing with you. Corinthians, ah, you and I, does not, we don't need to say much about Corinth, you know. What he dealt with. Thessalonians, he dealt with issues. Philippians, those ones were going through persecution. He just was encouraging them to be rejoicing. Imagine, just a little joy. Joy, because the kind of persecution they were going through was a lot. You see all those letters. He was just going differently. But Ephesus, for years I grappled with that. What's going on with these guys? Is it like. Are these guys that 100% mature? Even the seven, the letter to the seven churches, God said he has one fault with all of them. Uh, every church had one fault. But Ephesus, uh, uh, I knew that something was... So I now did more. I said, hey, it was a general letter. And because, so I now started saying something that, because Timothy pastored Ephesus for a bit, if you read in 1 Timothy, you will see this. Paul sent poem, Paul So I was not thinking that, ah, maybe it was Timothy's influence that helped Ephesus to be that grown. Not knowing that. Ah. But in my head, I was not thinking. If Ephesus, if the church that Timothy will pastor wouldn't have problem, why would Paul have to write two letters to Timothy? Because Timothy also had problem. If Timothy will have problem, <laughs> then his church must be having problem. <laughs> Imagine two letters to Timothy. Ah, then let's check your church. Because Timothy had a lot of issues that Paul had to address. He said, How should I treat the widows? Timothy had to tell him, Paul had to tell him, Okay, this is how you should treat the widow. Okay, what are people that want to be a pastor? Yeah. If anyone desired the office of a bishop, Timothy had questions of, Okay, what of the rich in our church? Charge them that are rich. So there's a special summer for rich people. <laughs> Charge them that are rich. Okay, what of um, this issue? Timothy wrote it. What of uh, Paul evil told Timothy? Alessandra the compassionate has, um, has done me evil. Beware of him. So I was now wondering if there's a church that Timothy will pass, then there has to be a problem because for the kind of questions that Timothy will be asking, it doesn't look normal. So I just kept wondering, ah, why does this seem? So can there be any perfect church? No. All these letters to the several churches in um, Revelation go found fault in everything. So, our whole church too is not perfect. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. So, that's just to give you a template. No church in this. The fact that you even came, the fact that you joined this church. Somebody told me one day, I said, I'm just looking for a good church. I said, the fact that you came has made the church ungood. Because you, you are not good. <laughs> Sometimes I can be very bloodshot. But I'm, I'm, God is helping me. <laughs> Amen. I said, I'm just looking for, I said, the fact that you joined the church, it means the church is all good again. Because I know you very well. <laughs> you are not good. 
Hallelujah. So every no church is perfect. Hallelujah. We are just working. So God will always keep telling us, okay, let's do this. This is structure. But Ephesus, ah, it just seems like every one of them. Go and read it. Go and observe Ephesus and compare it with other letters. I like doing that comparisons with actually with pause letters. It just helps me. You know, there's that thing they teach us in school when we actually in high school where they do similarities, differences, and that that will help you. You just just do that similarity and pick pause letter, read everything and say, okay, ah, it seems like there isn't much issues you're addressing in this place. But go and check his other letter. <laughs> hey, he was writing and telling them, especially Romans, he, was, he didn't greet much. Go and observe Romans. He didn't greet much. That was one letter he didn't greet much. He went straight because he had a lot of things to deal with quickly. He went straight. Galatians, he didn't greet much. Verse 6, he was telling them, if I or another angel preach any other thing, let him be a cause. Paul started the letter with causes. <laughs> so imagine the kind of pain he had writing that letter. Are you getting what else? So Do that. It will really help you in reading. Are you getting what else? One of the things I like to do for you is to such that when you come to church like this, you love your Bible the more. You get what I'm saying? So that when you go home, you're looking at it and you're like, oh, yes, I now get it now. Are you getting what I'm saying? It, it will always... I didn't have that privilege growing up. So I, I told myself, the day I have a church, ah, loving Bible must be paramount. Are you getting what I'm saying? When you finish church like this, I hated my Bible growing up. You're just like, oh... After they give you one rema, like you are just like, ah, what is this? You're just wondering, where did they get this one from? That's how I heard one someone. Me and people heard one someone. Bring me the venison. If you hear that someone you did not give, you are not born again. Even a Muslim will hear that someone and drop money. And atheists will hear that someone and give all their all and go empty. Amen. But God has helped us. All right, I'm playing too much. We're still in church, amen. And we are studying dealing with ungodly habits. Someone say, how does this foundation lead to that? Ah. <laughs> if you are reading your Bible, will you be having ungodly habits? <laughs> are you seeing it? Eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so Paul wrote to them in the epistles and he told them, that we should read. Even Jesus told them. Um, so that means, even the essence of reading is to understand also. And that word read is from the word anaginosko, and it means continual reading, um, to properly read. Jesus in the four Gospels emphasized that word anaginosko. Look at it in Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse 3. Matthew 12, 3. Are we learning something? Are you sure? They're not responding. This is New Year. Hmm. Hope you have not forgotten your goals. Matthew 12, verse 3. Look at what Jesus told them. He says, have you not read what David did? So that means there was that emphasis. And that word read is the word is the Greek word anaginosko. And it means, and remember, remember I used to tell you that the Bible is not as English as you think, right? So that word anaginosko simply means continuous reading, just keep reading, to read properly, to pay attention to details. 
and in reading, you must pay attention to details. I expect that if you are reading your Bible, there will just be a point you read and you will stop. You read it again. I don't know if you always have, even in reading novels, in reading books, I don't know if you always have that itch where you get to a point, you, you check it again, you go back again, you almost go back to the old paragraph again to get it. That is how to read the Bible. Continuous reading. That's what Jesus was saying. Have you not read that? Jesus was asking them that question. Look at in Matthew 19 verse 4. Look at Matthew 19 verse 4. He repeated that same thing. So that means there was that emphasis on reading. So a believer who doesn't read his Bible must, is, is, I don't know. You must learn to read. Look at Matthew 19 verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, have you not read? They asked him a question. And the first response is, have you not read? That which made them from the beginning, made them male and female. Have you not read? And we say that word read is anagenosko. That means, have you, can we say anagenosko is have you not paid attention to the details? That is what it means. So Jesus was asking them, ah, if you have paid attention to what you read, you will not be asking this question. Are you seeing that? Look at it in Matthew 21, verse 42. Matthew 21, 42. Matthew 21, verse 42. He says, and Jesus said unto them, Did ye never read in the scripture the stones which the builder? And you see that Jesus kept referring to what? This reading of what? The scripture. What's the scriptures now? Genesis to Malachi. Are you seeing it now? So, what was the Bible in Jesus' hands? Genesis to Malachi. So, if you want to understand, so this I tell people, and I've been saying this carefully, if you truly want to understand the Bible, pay attention to Genesis to Malachi. Then, your understanding of the second, of the 27 books will make sense because they wrote from those places. I can call, I can safely call the New Testament a codified language of the Old Testament. It's like saying, I want to explain things in the Old Testament clearly. So, a preacher, let me tell you what a preacher should do. If a preacher does not understand the application of how the New Testament wrote, writers wrote and how the writers of the epistles write, he will not know how to connect to his world. Because that is how... I, I was teaching somewhere and I told them, I said, the best thing a preacher must be able to do is to connect to his audience. Why am I telling you as a preacher? Because I believe that every one of us are preachers here. You must be able to connect to your audience. What do I mean? That means if I'm preaching to, if somebody, if, um, l- 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 let's use something like this and say, if you are preaching now and you are preaching to someone who is not um, lettered, let me use the word, who is not educated, how do you communicate to that person? Hope you know you will not use 100% English. You have to come down to his level. Okay. That means the kind of examples you will also give will have to relate to him. Are you seeing it? Just like if you are teaching a child, you cannot speak so much to that child because he has to understand you very well. That means also in our world today, the things we find in our world are not the things we find in the Bible. The kind of problem that Paul dealt with is not the problem we are dealing with in New York. Hope you know. Ah, it's not the same. Is we are dealing with AI now. I told you that I told you yesterday in service, and I said, 
I watched something towards the um, towards the um, the, the, the new year. I, I was just watching ABC News, and that 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 really got my attention. They they, they interviewed the the CEO of this AI person, and the guy said, "I'm even scared of what we created." He said, "If I am not scared, you should be you should be bothered." He said because. It's going faster than we ever imagined, that we don't even know the limits to the thing we created. I said, ah, in fact, I, <laughs> I was feeling sleepy when I heard it. I woke up immediately. When I, I you don't understand, I increased the volume, like, what's this guy saying? That even the CEO is scared. He said, this thing can take away 3,000 jobs. People are writing now, we don't have jobs. Actors will not have job. Addictors will not have job. Because they've created these things as limitless possibilities. And they now said, they look at what they now said. They now said, is this election that we are going to have this year that we are going to fill it? And they said, they are intentionally leaving it. Politics are, politicians are leaving it so that they can make use of it very well and win the election. Then they will now start looking for how to, how to close it up. But the damage would... Do you know... Election is in maybe October or when? November, when is the election? Do you know how far? <laughs> 11 months. Do you know how far that thing would have gone before they make use of it? And Paul, if Paul had foreseen that, Paul would have told us, beware of AI in the scripture. Are you seeing it? So, you say we're not facing the same thing. Now, that will mean something. Look at me. Now, and I want you to pay attention. That will mean something. Hope you know also that the thing that Moses faced in his own world was not what Paul faced. But Paul was able to use the Bible, the Old Testament, to answer their questions. That would mean that a preacher of gospel must be very intelligent in reading and knowing how to apply the scriptures to his world such that there is no disconnect. Are you seeing it now? When we start answering perplexing questions, there, there's something I'm going to teach you. By the time I finish, are we born a sinners? We're going to start doing answering perplexing questions. And I'm going to start answering questions of can a believer do BBL? Can a believer do um, drink alcohol? Can a believer tattoo his body? Can a believer. I, I wrote some of those things down. Can a believer. Um, so many things, surrogacy, different things like that. Can a believer do that? Now, those things are not found in the scriptures, as we say, because they did not foresee that world. But what's our role and our job? You will see when I start teaching you, you see how we're able to answer those questions. Our work is now to look at the scriptures and see the interconnection with it and be able to find the answer. That's what is now happening. People are not doing anything. They say, but the Bible did not say it. The Bible doesn't say it. The Bible doesn't say it's wrong. Who told you? <laughs> we'll look at it. But look at how Jesus was answering their questions. Have you not read? It's not as if they were answering a mischievous question. If only they had paid attention to details. Are you seeing it? Anaginosko. So and that is the responsibility of every believer today. We ought to pay attention to details. We ought to pay attention to what the scripture is saying. So, Jesus answered that question by saying, have you not read? You also say that in Mark 12, verse 10 also, answering them, have you not read? 
So that means in most of these communications, he was talking to the Pharisees and they were having an extensive knowledge or, or established knowledge of scriptures. And asking them that questions implied they've not properly read the scriptures. So that means in reading the scriptures, I must pay attention to details. Tell your neighbor, say, you must pay attention to details in reading the scriptures. We must pay attention to details. So that means it's not, scriptures are not something you just gloss over. Like I told you, I told you something in Bible Eminotics. I said, the Bible is a piece of literature. It's something that you must, you must pay attention to in reading. That is, when you are reading it, you are looking through. I, I remember I was reading something today and I, I checked it again and I kept checking it again. And that's when I made up my mind that, ah, I think I'm done. I've, I've struggled enough with chapters and verses as in reading. I think I need that. Is, so today I made up my mind. I think I need something that at least will help me. I will still be using that one for reference, I mean, but I, I will just be using that one for my own personal reading. Are you getting what I I, I looked at that and I kept looking at it. Ah, I was just wondering, ah, what's this? I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't grab it for a while. I, I've still not even grabbed it. And I just told myself, okay, you know what? If I didn't have barriers, I just look at it. If I didn't have barriers, I probably would be able to read the entire thing properly and get the context well. So that means a believer must pay attention to details. You must. So the Bible is not just a book you just pick up and you just say, oh, let me just, let me just do swordry. Close the Bible. Open to. Did I know me promise this? The Bible says this. No. The Bible is not just for quoting too. It's not just for this. Some people learn the Bible just to be quoting. That's not, you will, you will not. <laughs> Imagine there was no chapters of verse. How would you have quoted? You will be quoting the entire book, the entire Bible, from Genesis to Malachi, or the entire Genesis. They say, quote Genesis <laughs> in the beginning. Then <laughs> whoever will be doing that will be a genius. I, I cannot be. I don't think I'm that intelligent. <laughs> To do it. <laughs> Amen. So yeah, you see it. So, but it's not just giving for that, it's for proper reading and study. So a fundamental fact must be studied in our minds in studying the Bible that it's a compilation of literature, like I said, and it's written in human language. So that means in reading the scriptures, the rules of literature will apply. That means there will be figures of speech, there'll be um, there'll be even Similarly, metaphor, um, there will be things that look like sarcasm. There will be a lot of things that will not apply. There will also be um, oxymorons, exaggerations that will look like it. But that's why we have to be very careful. Are you getting what I'm saying? In reading the Bible. It's just like somebody telling me one day and saying, um, he read somewhere in the Bible where he says, um, 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 Judas hung himself and something. I said, ah. And I told him, I said, yeah, how is that, how is that, wh where are you getting to? What, what exactly is the issue? You know, you have to, for the first thing to, you should be thinking about in the Bible is how Judas hung himself. I said, can we talk? <laughs> what exactly is the issue? Let's discuss. He said, but uh, is there anything wrong there? I said, ah, bro, oh, bro. Are, are you planning to, you know? He said, I, there's anything wrong with what you did it. I wish you was not in heaven. Ah. 
And you can't blame the person. It is still an agnosco. If the person has read properly, if the person has read where they say, it will have been worse for him not to have been born. It will be better he is not born <laughs> than to betray the Son of God. The person will not be saying that. Are you seeing it? Eh. So you see that people can take text mischievously. But Jesus said, <laughs> I, I, I prefer saying that in Yoruba. It means it's better we don't, it's better he was never conceived than he should have betrayed the Son of Man. Ah! You don't get you don't see, you don't get that the efficacy of that word. It's like saying, "It's better you, it's better your parents never met than you betray son of man." Then you are now trying to use his own example as something to write. How can that be a good one? Are you getting what I'm saying? So you see how people take the Bible. Somebody also now told me one thing one time and said, um, "Abraham lied." And all this person like I said, ah, are you Abraham? Are you going through the problem you went through? They say Abraham lied that his sister this. I said, ah, is your are they trying to take your sister, your wife away from you? Ah, you don't understand who Potiphar is? Or Pharaoh, no, not Potiphar, sorry. Who Pharaoh is? I said, and are you going through his own problem? Who told you that what he did was wrong? You say, ah, what are you saying? I said, who told you what he did was wrong? Is it not written in the Bible? He said, but he lied. I said, who told you what he did was wrong? And the person could not answer my question. I said, did God or the devil tell you that what he did was wrong? <laughs> you know, so the way some people think, it's just like somebody wanted to use Gehazi now, for instance. I said, Gehazi is your role model. <laughs> You know, the Bible is very honest. I expected, you know, the more I grew is the more I expected the Bible to be a good, a book of goodness, good people, good life, no problem, no sin, nothing. Just Jesus, sanctimonious, holiness, who? Paradise. But the Bible is very honest. It shows us the mistake of people, showed us the errors of men, showed us the imperfection, showed us the weaknesses of people and left it there. And you tell me that that book is not good. Ah. That's the best book to ever read. Because you, as you are seated, you are not holy. I mean, you are only in Christ. But you are not as... You make mistakes. So you can now relate with somebody with you who can make those same mistakes and God forgive him in the same book. And you say, that's not a good book. Ah, let's read the Bible carefully. And you can relate with somebody who can make the same mistake with you, but yet turned out well, turned out wrongly, sorry. We can see the states of Judas, a disciple, you don't get it. A, let's use it, let's use it now, today's word, a church member. Who heard all that Jesus had taught? No, who could have been a better pastor than Jesus? Do I want to pastor better than Jesus? I can't, I can't. You don't get it. Who would have been, you know, God pastored men? You, you don't get it. God decided as a, I want to pastor 12. You know, God, God did not stress himself. He did not say, let me pastor 1 million members. God pastored 12. 
And that 12 had problem. Thomas was there. Imagine your congregation, you have it, Thomas, as you are teaching, he's taking over, say, inside his nose, he's saying, wrong. I still have to check it. <laughs> I need proof. <laughs> he didn't know, he's saying, I still, I don't believe until I see it. <laughs> this thing that passed there, he said, till I see the epignosis with my eyes. Then you have somebody like Philip, who is just looking at you and say, Lord, show us the father. In John 14. And Jesus said, ah, Philip, have I been so long with you? Imagine, so all oh, Jesus had been teaching for three years. Philip did not understand. <laughs> Philip was just taking notes. <laughs> Philip was just taking notes. Philip, after Jesus came, he said, I, sir, I have a question. Pastor, sir, show me the father. And Jesus said, ah. <laughs> I'm sure Jesus will have warned you. Ah, ah. Have I been so long with you, Philip? That you say, show me the father. That's two now. This two. Then Peter, the one that his mouth is too big. Peter first, Jesus even first commanded Peter at first and said, flesh and blood has not revealed it unto you. But, uh, then the next, that same chapter, that means couple of minutes after, Peter said, Master, be it far from you. Jesus, Jesus now called Peter devil. Say, Satan, get thee away from me. And this is the same person that Jesus just commanded. Look at the kind of audience that Jesus had. So, somebody now told me one. Somebody told me one day. You know, some people are very positive. Are you are you a good pastor? I said, even Jesus tried. <laughs> I beg, don't don't pressure my life. I beg. <laughs> How is this your pastoring going? I said, ah, I don't understand. Even Jesus, Jesus, Son of God, God, had this kind of problem in his congregation. You are not telling me that. He's, I, I can't keep myself. <laughs> I will just be praying, <laughs> be teaching. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? For God to pastor man, you don't get it. And Judas said, God told Judas, I said, that which you want to do, do quickly. And Judas stood up. God already caught you. Instead of you just lie down and say, I'm so sorry, sir. They already caught you. Instead of you just say, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry, sir. And he stood up. And it was that standing of the Bible that said, the devil now entered him. So that means the devil has not entered him all to be with. Ah. So, you see, we, that's not my, we'll get there. We are looking at dealing with our godly habits. I think I'm getting faster. Amen. So we'll get there. So we said you must read, right? You must read. Amen. All right, let's, before I close quickly, let's check something. Let's, let's look at a bit of our, of our subject. I, I, if you are writing in your notes, you can call this a sub, a subtitle, Formation of Habits. Formation of Habits. Then we'll look at a, um, all of those things. So a believer, one thing you must understand is that a believer is born of God, a believer is indwelled by the Spirit, and as a result, the believer works in the Spirit. You can look at in that in Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14, Galatians 3 26, the believer is also indwelt of God, Galatians 3, 14, Galatians 4, 5 to 6, for Romans 8, verse 9, Romans 8, 14 to 15. So you see all of those things there, and those things are paramount that the identity of the believer must not be changed. Am I making sense? The identity of the believer is statute, is born of God. 
you, as you are seated right here, all of you now, you are born of God. You are born of the Spirit. You are indwelt by the Spirit. You are a man in Christ. So that means that the information of the believer must be understood and accepted by him. This thing I just said, you have to first accept it, that this is your reality. The moment you start accepting a false identity, you start, it's like saying, it's like saying, this is bro Calvin now. The moment I start calling him Brio Midi, or Brio, and I keep saying it long enough, I keep saying it, I keep telling him, your name is Brio. Hey, you will not, in the next three months, somebody will ask him, what's his name? The first thing he will say is Ayo. He say, oh, sorry, Calvin. Are you getting what I'm saying? So that means the first thing you have to accept is your first identity that I am born of God. I am born of the Spirit. I am a man in Christ. You are not a sinner. You must first accept that. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21, it says, He that knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that means he took your sins to give you a state. So that means you are righteous, right? You are holy. That's why Paul, that's why, why do you think Paul will write to the churches and the way we address them is that they are saints. Some people say, somebody say, but you have to first die to be a saint. No, no, no. The very day you got born again, you are a saint. Are you getting what I mean? That gives you a new nature. So you must first accept that there is a nature that has left you the very day you got born again. So you must accept that nature. And that way, you will be able to understand. That's knowledge. And that's why it's like, that's what I was saying about paying attention to details. Diana Ginosko. Because if you have read the scriptures properly, you would have seen that something changed the very minute you got born again. Something, the, your identity changed. There's a way the Bible refers to a man who is not born again. And there's a way the Bible refers to who is born again. That's if you are paid at it. But a lot of believers think, take the Bible like, oh, it is me. They see sinners, they say, it's me. They see uh, someone who is right, they say, it's me. They see uh, somebody that is this, they say, it's me. They say, ah, ah. <laughs> That's the so preachers will teach you today, they tell you that you are holy. Do you know they say? You are still a sinner. The one that, that, that pained me the most was when I went for one deliverance meeting from years ago. And we spent so long in church. As we were not finishing, my mother, they, they were now, it was now October. They were announced, it was a September meeting. They were now announcing for October. And my birthday is October 2nd. And they now, the, the deliverance day now fell on my birthday. So as they were now announcing, they just say, freedom service. It's a freedom service. Deliverance of firstborn. This and that. Don't think you are free. Oh. The deliverance announcement. Oh. And we've stayed in church for hours. Don't think you are free. Don't think. Uh -uh. So I wasted my time. All the, so as they were now doing the service, and I now say, that's how my brother sat in one place. I just say, hope you are hearing the announcement. <laughs> as per next month, you can't miss it. Ah, I say, God. If I had a way to keep, to bomb this church, <laughs> I would do it. Because I was just that's what I started thinking. Ah, I'm not too. I not started paying attention. I mean, I was very young. I not started paying attention to the scripture they are using, and I found that there, there is no substantial scripture. To be honest with you, there is. It is go and watch all those people that do deliverance for people. They don't have a strong scripture. Tell me who do who did it for anyone in scripture. 
Did Jesus do it? Did Paul do it? Did Peter do it? Did James do it for anyone? No way. So they will just escapulate one scripture, join it to another, tell you, Job, brethren, remember Job. Brethren, remember Jabez. Jabez. Uh-uh. You will not go all the way to Jabez. Jabez, remember how God changed his name. Jabez was first called sorrow. Brethren, you have to, you have to change your name. Uh, me, I don't want to change my name. My name is Ayurvede Bez. <laughs> I think it's good. At least my my son name is so English that it's not difficult. I don't want to change my name. I like it. I don't want to be being another son name that, that they will not be able to pronounce. At least my son name now, nobody can easily know that I'm not Nigerian. <laughs> Ayo Bensi. Ayo Bensi. Everything. I don't <laughs> I don't want to change my name. So don't Change your name, Jabez. Oh Lord, I changed the name of Jabez. Let him change your name. You change, change my name, change my name, change my name. Ah ah. If you want to change your name, go and marry. If you are a lady, your son name can change. Can go with save you. You should go and meet somebody that is made a son name. That, is, <laughs> that looks like hell. But look at his son name, OG Brian. You can never know he's from Uganda. Never. OG Gordon. Now you can never. You hear the name, you just be thinking, wow, are you British? No, it's, you, it's from Apache. Apache, Uganda. <laughs> change my name. Change my name. I don't even get what I'm saying. But where did they do deliverance or conduct a deliverance service in the Bible? So a lot of people just take the old Bible. They don't know the difference. And that's where the Anaginosco come. There's some part. You would have seen it that, ah, Wait, the way Paul addressed the church, he called the church saint. In, in our today's world, the people they call saints are people that have died. No, but he was talking to people who are alive. And he called them saints. That means a status has changed. And there's a way he addressed them, he called them holy. He called them the church, the beloved. That means that there is something that has happened to the man who is born again. And that his status has changed. He is now a new man in Christ. That's why Paul told us, all things are gone. All, we all, all things has become new. That word new is called kairos. That is, things has changed. Hallelujah. So your identity has changed the very day you got born again. And you must first grab that fact. Look at it, 1 Corinthians 2.12. Look at how he now talked to the church. Remember we said formation of habits, right? So we'll get there soon. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.12. Are you learning by are you learning something? If you are if you are enjoying service, let me see your hands. Alright, thank you. I, I really want you to love your Bible, love the word of God. And I tell people, I say, if you come to our church for just three weeks, you will love your Bible. How I many of you can agree? How I many of you agree? Three weeks. Just just I at, at most three weeks. You will huh, you will pick your Bible. You want to read the Bible. <laughs> Look at the first, first Corinthians 2.12. First Corinthians 2.12. He told them, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit wishes of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. You have received the spirit of God. Look at the first Corinthians 3.16. First Corinthians, he says, Know ye not. Look at how he was talking to them. That is, you are ready. Telling them, can we say he's doing an agnosco like them? Have you not read? Know ye not that you are the temple of God. And where will he be teaching from? Genesis to Malachi, making them to see that ah, 
brethren, do you know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Making them to see an emphasis. Look at 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, 17 to 19. 1 Corinthians 6. He told them, he says, but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. So do you have the spirit of the devil in you? No. You have one spirit and your spirit is already joined to the Lord. And that is the spirit of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 16. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. He says, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. For God has said, I will dwell in them. Hallelujah. So it's where, where is God now? He's dwelling in you. He says, and they will walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's why Paul will tell in Philemon 1 verse 6, that the communication of your faith may become uh, effectual by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That word acknowledging is the word epignosis, that is a recognition. It's the Greek word epignosis, a recognition. You come to a full disclosure, a full fact of what is in you. That means not just a knowledge, you know it. That this, it's just like there are certain things that people will say to me like that. If somebody say, ah, you know you are confused, the first instinct is, I am never confused. I am born of God. I have the Spirit of God. Somebody tell me, oh, this and that and that. Why are you struggling? I don't struggle. The Spirit of God works with me. Somebody say, ah, this and that. I, I, there's just some things I just know for a fact. I just know it like I know my name. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because I know my identity. I know what, if you know what God has said about you, you are going to be at rest. So, the knowledge plays a key role. See, even in prayer, I was telling someone yesterday, I said, even in prayer, if you, I, I remember when I was much younger, I preferred praying to reading the word. I hated Bible. I just said, let's just be praying. But as I grow in God's word, I figured that, ah, it's like eating food without drinking water. It's like saying you love your Bible without praying. It's like saying you, you love praying without eating. It's like saying you are eating without drinking water. There will be a gap. And that gap, there is a disconnect. It goes hand in hand. It is even the knowledge of the word that will make prayer more effective. That will make your prayer more sweeter. That will make the practice of everything you are doing more good. Knowledge plays a key role. Never go to a way so never agree with anybody and say, is it not just Greek and Hebrew? Just learning the word. That's not the Bible. Let's pray. Let's, let's, uh, see, run away from people like that talk like that. They are not ready to give themselves to awesome Bible study. If Jesus, this I say it, if Jesus can sit down at the age of 12, asking tough questions, and it was commended of him that he grew in wisdom, knowledge, and he started with favor of God and man, that means we must give ourselves to learning. If Moses was said to him to be schooled of the Egyptians, and with history, the Egyptian learning was not an easy learning. See, it means that men should give themselves to awesome study. If Jesus would teach his disciples for 40 days non-stop, ah, 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 men and brethren, there's more to Are you getting what I'm saying? If Paul would teach someone and somebody will fall down and die and he will wake the person up and continue teaching, it's not as if he wakes the person up and do <laughs> Thanksgiving time. Brethren, the Spirit of God is now moving in our church. The dead is now rising. Let's stop the service. <laughs> And let's be worshipping God for the dead rising. No, he rose the guy up. He said, give him food and he continued teaching. 
And history had it to be that that was a span of 7 to 12 hours teaching God's word. That means that there's more to these things. Somebody today now will tell you, 45 minutes is service. And you two, you are happy. They are about to deceive you. Anywhere they don't stay long in studying the Bible, <laughs> believe me, you is error. You can't, I can't teach you for 10 minutes. It's not possible. Look at what I'm saying now. Do you notice that I have, all I've been saying today, do you notice I have pegs, 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 pegs. I can't finish them because I'm limited with time. If I'm really to teach you what I really want to teach you, the whole year is not enough. If I'm to teach you what I know today, 366 days, if we would just be drinking water and just be staying here, 366 days is not enough. I'm telling you. So imagine now telling you short word. There's nothing like short word. Knowledge is paramount as a belief and you must go for it. Go for strong study of the word. Strong. I've re I recommended Greek materials for you, strong concordance, go and get them so that you'll be checking strong associate concordance. Go and get it. So you'll be looking at the Greek word. I told you the Bible is not as English as you think. That way your knowledge will be deepened. You check the words, you say, okay, this is how it is, this is how it is. You know, you will check it properly. You look at it very well, you say, oh wow, this is it. Because it's not as English as you think. The, many of the translators gave us suggestions. They didn't have English as much as we have it today. So when they were writing the scripture, it was just a suggestion like, this will fit it to this. This will fit it to this. So they'll put it for you. So what King James now did is they now put certain things in Italy. It's like, ah, this is our own. When we, this one we struggled. <laughs> Let's put it here. Are you getting what I'm saying? It will help you. So the first thing a believer must know in his habit is to know that this is first who he is. I am a man in Christ. I am born again. Somebody told me, I say, ah, um, the, um, you have something. It says he has delivered me. Hallelujah. So he say, there's one spirit following me. No, I don't have any spirit. I don't have any power following me. I don't have any, I don't have any. So he say, ha, ah, the reason why you are this way is because there is one principality. For... Some people think that we talk like this because we are preachers. No, before I even started preaching, I started knowing that this thing was wrong. Somewhere in my heart. But I just did not know because there was no enough light till I started studying much more. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to know that this is who you are. Somebody tell you that as you are as born again as you are now, that there's still one spirit you have to deal with. Too, that that's what is not making you not progress in life. Just tell the person, shut up. Colossians 1 verse 12. Let's go there. Colossians 1 12. So that you will see it yourself. What my vote? This is not my part of my sermon. Probably some of you need to hear this. And that's why you have to be, you have to see what you are hearing. Look at Colossians 1 12. Giving thanks to the Father who has made us meet to be partakers of the heirs of the day. Who has delivered us from what? The power. And done what? You have been delivered from the power of darkness. When did that happen? The very day you were saved. So when they come and tell you there's one spirit that is not injuring you, as far as it's darkness, you have been delivered. As far as it's the bondage of the devil, you are not there again. You, not, you, you don't understand. God now told you that. Look at what the scripture now told you in Mark 16, that you can take up serpent and scorpion. If the serpent and scorpion is still injuring you, why will you be taking them up? Why will you be delivering somebody else? I remember, so when the, I remember one book, one stupid book that 
that a preacher wrote like that, when the deliverer needs deliverance. Stupid book that will be making you afraid, that think that, they now told you that, don't, as you are praying for that sick, it's coming back to you, don't think you are free. Ah, so, you, I remember when I was much younger, if I pray like this, I'll quickly go home, go and fast. <laughs> Lord, that's sick. There's a prayer I, I hate. Thank God that nobody did it for me this, this year. They did it for me last um, three years ago. And I almost warned the person. Say, virtual letter. We pray and virtual return back to you. Hey, which virtual letter? <laughs> I'm full of his power. <laughs> say, we are praying that the virtual will come back. If I jack you, you are who the virtual letter. There was one person that, that did that prayer for me. The next time I got on the stage for second session, it was him I used for word of knowledge. So I can see whether the virtual really left. I picked him. There's a whole brother here. I knew what I was talking about. Just, there's a brother here. So he come and, hey, that lady said to him, <laughs> we watch you leave. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be very crazy. Just like one day too, my father was in one service. I just, so he came out for one, he came out for, this is just side gist. He came out for one um, meeting. Some of you remember, some of you were there that meeting. I just remember, ah, all the troubles he has troubled me in this life. And his head is very smooth. So instead of laying I first stabbed the head first. Like, <laughs> I just remember all this. So as I was there, so he came out. He was, he was, he, he was trying to, um, I don't, I forgot him. I don't know what he came out for. I was just trying to lay hands on him. So I just remember, ah, you showed me shaking small. I just say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Don't do that to her. <laughs> please don't do it to her. <laughs> please don't do Please, I beg you, don't. I just remember, ah, I just look at his smooth head. I just say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> but if I don't have the power anyway. <laughs> but don't do it to her. <laughs> don't do it to her. I beg you. It's a very bad thing I did. It's very, very bad. <laughs> very bad. Anyway, as I begin to close, what is habit? Uh, let's look at the word habit. Now, the word habit can be defined in the Britannica dictionary as a usual. So I say, Pastor, you use dictionary, you don't use Greek words. <laughs> you we will get there soon. <laughs> in the Britannica dictionary, as a usual way of behaving, something that a person does often in a regular and a repeated way. It implies a constant and a consistent action. So it is not a one-off action, rather a repeated action. So the word habit can be a positive or negative. Godly or sinful, ungodly, godly or sin, or ungodly, or godly or sinful, as explained in the context. So a big question, and that's where we'll stop today, is can a believer have a sinful or ungodly habit? Paul did something in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, let's go there, and that's where I would stop today. But did this bless us? Yes, uh, is this blessing us? All right. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1 to 3, And brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto Cana, even as unto babes in Christ. And that word canal 
there. You know, for I fed you with milk, and not with milk for it. I told you, you cannot bear it, neither are you able to. Uh, you are yet carnal. But that word carnal there is from the Greek word sakikos. As an adjective, it implies pertaining to the flesh. Sakikos, S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. S-A-R-K-I-K-O-S. Sakikos, that's the Greek word for carnal. And it means pertaining to the flesh. And it's derived from the word sax, S-A-R-X, which means the flesh. So Paul applies an opposite and he was describing a conduct that is contrary to, his, to the actual nature. Now we said the believer is born of the spirit. The believer is spiritual. Play for me as I close. The believer is of the spirit. But he now says that is he now says he could not speak unto them to canal, but as unto babe in Christ. So that means that as I begin to close gradually, it's uh, we said what is habits? Habits is a repeated way of doing something. Uh, that's how the dictionary has defined it for us. But we must look at God's word, right? What does God's word says about this? And how can we stop it? Or how can we continue? If it's a godly habit, how can we continue in it? And if it's a wrong habit, how can we deal with it? What did I, what did I title this series as? Um, dealing with ungodly habits. Okay. So, so we want to focus on the ungodly aspects. But in the midst of the ungodly aspect, we'll look at the godly ones too. And how do we build up the godly ones? Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, it shows that, and this this is everybody. Let me tell you something. And this, I did not teach this series to condemn you because I will be condemning myself too. Everybody, as far as you are human, you have the tendencies to walk in the flesh. Everybody. So Paul told them, yes, he could not speak unto them as also spiritual, but as also carnal. That is of the flesh. So that would mean that the believer can relate with God as his father. But he does not have... Let me tell you something that you have as a believer. Your nature, if you read in Romans 8, and I will give you as an assignment, just read Romans 8. Our nature is the nature of the Spirit of God. Our nature is not a nature of the flesh. So that means that what happens to us as believers when we find ourselves doing something wrong or doing something that is not good, we are actually weighing a nature contrary to us. It's like saying we are bearing a name that is not ours. I don't know if I'm making sense. It's like anytime you sin, let me use the word sin, that's how you'll be able to get it. It's like saying you are doing what is not your nature. You are wearing a name that is not yours. And it can be dealt with from God's word. He actually can. I don't believe. I don't believe there is any issues or struggles that a believer will go through that there is no solution for if the believer is willing to change 
And that is why I started with my foundation that way and I said, if you pay attention to reading and pay attention to details of God's word, um, you would see the need for certain things. So, the unbeliever in Romans 8, Paul told us that the unbeliever is in the flesh and he says, he cannot please God. But there was something that told us in that Romans 8, but he says, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. So that means your standpoint must be a standpoint of a man in the spirit. So if I were you, I would just wake up early in the morning and say, I'm in the spirit. I'm born of God. My nature is the nature of the spirit of God. So when you find yourself maybe lying, maybe stealing, maybe just doing something wrong, very wrong, Always tell yourself that's not who you are. The very minute you start seeing it that way, change is coming, help is coming. That is not your nature. And you know it. That's why you will feel bad. That is why you exactly feel bad. Somebody say, it's not good to feel bad, it's good to feel bad. It is God chastening you, it's God correcting you. Um, it's not wrong to feel bad. But you must always let it dawn on you that that is not your nature. Because your nature is the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Say, my nature is the Spirit of God. I am not in the flesh. I'm in the Spirit. So I laid the foundation today. This week we would kick it off. And one of the things we want to look at in this series, I gave you a sub I called it um, some formation of habit. I'm going to build it up. I, I'm doing a subheading already and I said, can a believer, uh, what did I call that one? Can a believer have a sinful? We're going to look at, we're going to take it up a step further next week and we're going to say, we're going to ask questions like, how did we get here? How did this start? One of the things I wanted to include in this series is the origin of sin, but we're already doing that in another series. But, it will approach us into a light and we'll see, okay, how can we now stop it? What are the things to do? So we will not look at even the renewing of our mind again. I believe God would really give us much knowledge and understanding in God's word and it will help our Christian work to be much effective. You will just say that we are robust in our Christian work, just that we have godly conduct. We, we are living right. Are you getting what I'm saying? We, and I trust God that this series will bless us it will deal with addictions. It will deal with so many problems that anyone will face generally around the world that will listen to this. I will trust God for that in the name of Jesus. Let's just be on our feet and let's bless the name of the Lord. Let's thank Him. Oh, let's bless Him. Give Him the praise. Honor Him. Thank Him. Worship His holy name. Bless Him. Thank Him tonight. It's your hands and blessing for the word you've learned. Thank you because you are in the spirit. Thank you. Thank him. Thank him. This your hands blessing. So I can be your home forever. And your whole 
forever so i can be your home forever and your home forever jesus gave it all oh oh he gave it all for and he gave me yourself you gave it all oh and he gave me yourself so i can be your home forever Hey yo forever so i can be your home forever Jesus gave it all Oh you gave it all Jesus gave it all Oh Oh My righteousness my master and my king My My friend, for this I will praise you. For this I will praise you. Lift your holy name. For you have redeemed me. For you have redeemed me. And saved me now and forever. Jesus, you are Jesus name.